thing. Now, as soon as one of those guys or some of those guys are no longer on the Tennessee Titans roster for 2023, then we can chat about a rebuild. But until then, it's not. Welcome into the Hot Read Podcast for Wednesday, March the 22nd. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, Director of Published Content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network, and I am joined, as always, by my lovely and fantastic producer, Producer JT. JT, how are you on this fine hump day? I'm so busy. I, I don't think I've ever. I don't think I've ever had a more busy <laughs> March in my entire life. Sure. But um, I'm glad I get to take a little bit of time out of my day to talk some Titans in the NFL here. So well, it's kind of weird because most marches, I feel like for the average person, March is a pretty down month um, and, and April it, too. It, yeah. But if you're in the NFL media world um, or if your life is just insane, both of which I'd say we fall into the, the category of right now, then you get to do this and that's what we're doing. So we're here. Um, if you were expecting us here on Monday, surprise, we weren't. Um, we, we ended up, JT took a couple of days off to attend to some things and I was going to do this show solo recorded about a 30 minute show on Monday or excuse me, Sunday night, went to bed, got up to post it early the next day. And I had spent the entire show basically talking about things that were already old news. The Sean Murphy bunting contract came out and it was announced that the Titans were having their new signings talk at a press conference that morning. So I decided to just scrap that episode because well, it wasn't incorrect stuff I was saying. It was stuff that wouldn't have been all that interesting to hear about later in the afternoon. So then I planned on doing another show uh, by myself yesterday evening, then realized that my internet decided to just stop working and Xfinity cut out in our neighborhood. So I uh, wasn't able to do that. And so now we're here and I just said, you know what? We're on to Cincinnati. We're on to Wednesday. We do three of these a week. So um, we're going to we're just going to push it all into this show, but we're not going to make this a four hour show because JT, like I said, we're busy. He's got a hard out here in uh, in 42 minutes. And so he said before we started that he'd bet his firstborn child on me not getting through all of the material in the rundown before his hard out. And I said, I hope that you don't like your firstborn child because here I am about to do it. So here we go. We're on the clock. We're two minutes and 40 seconds in. I've got uh, just about 40 minutes left to play with here. We have got so much to get through, but that's not going to keep me from bringing up an irrelevant topic at the top of the show. If you know me, you know that it doesn't matter. I, I'm so comfortable. we got so much time. I'm not even worried about it. So here's the question before we get into the warm up, JT. I was asking you this a couple of days ago, trying to figure out we have we are blessed and lucky as a show to have built up an audience of you guys that are, are listening. We appreciate you guys tell you that multiple times every show. Without you, we wouldn't do the show because we don't like making things that that don't matter. And it matters because it matters to you. So we really appreciate you listening, telling your friends, sharing it, being a loyal listener. But some of you are more loyal than others. And based on at least your Twitter interaction, I'm sure there are many of you. I mean, based on how many we see the numbers, based on how many listen to each episode, we have hundreds listen to each episode. We have thousands listen every single week to the show. But we know that. Um, while there are some of you that probably aren't very vocal about it, who are loyal listeners, and to those of you quiet kings and queens out there, we appreciate you for your uh, your loyal dedication to the show. There are a handful of you that we know because you're vocal on social media about it. Listen to every show. So I was trying to figure out, you know, the four horsemen of the apocalypse um, is it, it a, a kind of a running bit for you and I. We were trying to pick out the four horsemen of the NFL news breaking apocalypse at the combine. We found Pelissero. 
Garofolo and uh, Rappaport, which sounds like a, a mob, by the way, now that I say it out loud, or uh, like a downtown Brooklyn uh, like law office. But we couldn't find Schefter. And we were like, oh, we were trying to cross off, trying to get a, a four in a row, connect four, bingo, whatever you want to call it, for the four horsemen of the NFL news breaking apocalypse. Well, who are the four horsemen of the Hot Read podcast apocalypse? There are three that we know for sure, right? We, we don't know who the fourth is. And we want we know that you're out there. There has to be somebody based on our numbers. There's probably multiple, but whoever is the first to raise their hand, you get the prize. So far, based on what we know, I'm confident in saying that Jacob Sane, you do not miss an episode. And I say you directing this comment at him directly because I know he's going to listen to this at some point. He was asking me on Twitter if this show is coming out on Monday. And I said, we'll be on Wednesday. Here we are, Jacob. Enjoy the show. You listen to all of them. So you're one of our, our Mount Rushmore listeners. OKC Titan, who I don't actually know your actual name. I've just ever only ever interacted with you on Twitter. Super cool guy. I know that he listens all the time. Um, those are the two guys that if we miss a show that we said was going to happen or regularly scheduled, they will DM me about it and hold us accountable. So appreciate you guys doing that. Uh, Goody, I know that he listens, I think, all the time based on how often he knows what's going on in the show on Twitter. We couldn't come up with a fourth. Who is the fourth person that wants to raise their hand to be the fourth Horseman of the Hot Read Podcast Apocalypse, JT. I don't know, but we need you to interact with us. So DM us, tweet at us, let us Send know. Your applications, your Send in your applications. Oh, the only requirement is you listen to you every listen episode. To the show. You don't you you don't miss a show though. It's appointment listening. You may maybe you got to catch up here and there. But if this is a show for you, and that's crazy to even think that those people exist, it's hard for me to believe that. Um, of course, I've got shows that I don't miss, but to think that there are people that don't miss my show, super crazy. Um, I want to know who you are and I'll be your best friend. Just let me know who you are. Okay. So we need that fourth person. Now I'll go ahead and keep motor in here, JT, if that's all right with you. All right. Is that, is that cool? All right. We'll keep moving. Cause, cause like you said, you're, you've got me on the clock here. I've got three things to bring up in the warm up. Um, so we'll get into that. Here we go. The warm up of today's hot read podcast. We'll start with this. Let's consult the big board. This is something that, and not actually, that's a bad use of words around draft season. Cause it's, this is not a draft big board. This is. This is different. I'll explain. So the Titans, they've got a laundry list of needs. They've got a laundry list of of high priority positional needs where they don't have a guy that can start at that position. And then they've got a, a lower tier, but still important list of players or positions rather where they've got a starter, but they've got no depth. And, and really at this point, Rand Carthen has gotten it to the, this roster to a place where there are many more depth needs by position than there are starter needs, which is good news. We can we talked about this on the last show on Friday, I believe, talking about how the picture is starting to come into focus for this Titans roster. There are, however, a handful of needs. And as we check them off, I think it's important for us to just keep up with as we're looking at free agency, as we're considering the draft fans following along at home, those of us in the media following along because it's our job. What do they need exactly? Right. What are they? What have they gotten? What do they still need? By my account, and this is something that I, I might I've seen Mike Herndon do this as well, um, and he does a good job of keeping up with it on Twitter. We're going to do it here on the show. It seems right now by my account, JT, and if you see any error in my logic, stop me and let me know. In terms of starters that they need, now there are some positions where they could upgrade with a better starter, but based on needs where if you're going to fill up the depth chart right now, there's nobody on this roster that you could reasonably put in the starter position. I think it's left guard, wide receiver, and tight end. They need one more at least of each of those positions. And left guard has an asterisk. Really, they need a, a, a lineman comfortable on the left side. We don't know who's going to play where yet. 
If you wanted and, to nitpick, you could say kicker, but yes, that's, that's a good point. Yeah, you, you know what? <laughs> um, I'll no, that's a good point. I'll say we'll say kicker is kind of the in between there, where they don't need one, and and at this time of year, you don't expect them to have one no, yet. Yeah. That's that's a, a later. Just thing. looking at your positional list but, that you needed, yeah, I play I mean, devil's advocate and say you, you kind of need one. I know you could say that. I mean, they've got a guy on the roster who I'll be. Uh, no, no, I do know his name, Caleb Shudak. Shudak is on the roster. We saw him briefly last year. It was, uh, I, I'll just say, I wish I hadn't seen him briefly last year. Um, it wasn't great. He's liked by the team from all, all accounts, everything that I hear he's liked by the team. They're projecting him to be there. At least a guy that can compete this year in camp for the starting role. I know that every Titans fan ever at this point that has made a seven round mock draft in a simulator has just thrown Jake Moody from Michigan up there in the seventh round. Which I mean, I can relate. I've done it. You, you you do it early in the draft season. If you're not a hardcore guy who know, you get to the seventh round. You don't know any of these guys. They all stink, right? So just slap a kicker on there. Um, I they won't draft kicker. Just gonna go ahead and say that they're not gonna do that with one of their six picks. But they will go get. I'd, I'd be shocked if they don't come away with an undrafted free agent that they can come in and compete in camp with Shudak. I would agree with you. They need to bring in a guy that if he can't be the at least depth uh, to compete in camp. So you've got left guard, wide receiver, tight end, probably kicker as well. And then for depth, this is where things get kind of lengthy. You you need some more depth and at least one, but some of these positions you need two or three guys. You need some depth at defensive line, outside linebacker, safety, wide receiver, tight end, and on the offensive line. So actually I could have, I probably could have streamlined that by saying everywhere, but linebacker, corner, quarterback, and running back. Um, so that's where they need. That's where they need depth. They're going to continue to get that depth, and I guess you could say that based on this free agent market, JT. I was a little bit afraid coming into this free agency. We knew, of course, coming in, like, whew, yikes, it's rough. It's a rough, rough group out there. Really, uh, the ceiling. It's not that there aren't guys. It's just that in a usual weird year where you have two or three guys at the top of each position group where it's like, they're going to get maybe a record setting market setting contract. They're going to go be an immediate starter impact signing splash signing, really the kind of signings that typically get teams in trouble more often than it, it makes them better, but they're the ones people look for. We really didn't have that at, at any position. And the, the few that were there that I feel like I could count on my hand, they all dried up like in the first hour of free agency last Monday. So um, it's a tough draft if you need impact starters, but for a team like the Titans that still, I think people, I know people don't quite know whether or not this team is trying to compete um, this year, or I guess rather how, at, at what level they're trying to compete. As long as this team isn't tanking, which we've been adamant, there's no signs that that's actually happening. I'm very confident they're not at this point. Um, as long as they're not taking tanking, they need to fill in this roster with with depth guys. And the, the good news about this free agency class, JT, is it's basically just depth guys. So you've, you've got your pick of the litter out there. Now, like I said, I was concerned about it, not because there weren't guys available, but because I was afraid. And JT, I wonder I, if you have a thought on this or if you felt the same way, I'd love to chat about this. It's it's It was one of those things where I was afraid the market was going to be inflated artificially because of that lack of a ceiling. And it was going to price a team like the Titans out of some of these depth guys. Like if you saw, you know, a who was one of the running backs who was at the top of the mark, like like a, a Miles Sanders, who was like arguably the top running back available after all the good ones got 
got the um, franchise tag. I was afraid since he was the top of the market, even though he's a middling running back at best, right? He's not bringing a ton of juice to your team. I was afraid because he was the top, he was going to get, you know, 12 million APY. And then it would just, it would cascade down from there. But that's not been the case really. And we've seen that, especially with receivers, like these guys, these free agents, and I'm sure agents are pissed about the fact that teams have really cooled their jets on spending in free agency this year. They were probably hoping that they would just keep that momentum, even though the quality of players had gone down. They just keep slinging money at folks. They've really not been doing that. No, I mean, you could look at like some of the contracts like David Montgomery and Jamal Williams and a lot of those guys like Mac Hollins, like even Zeke is still not signed. Like, is pe- Zeke like people, sign? I, who knows? But like who, the fact that David Montgomery and Jamal Williams are getting signed before like Zeke, who I still think maybe has a little bit of like juice left in the tank, you know, like I, I think he's, he's still not a three like down a, back, but he's not I, a three down back, but he's still got like the Cowboys that showed you, you could use him relatively well in, in the red zone and in short yardage. But beside but, like, I mean but, like yeah. Dalton Schultz, a premier, like, offensive weapon got one, one year, year deal. eight million like, dollar there's, deal there's just not a lot out well there. that's the thing it's not only are these guys not getting a ton of money but it's a lot of one two three year deals three or four year deals that are on paper three or four year deals but in reality they're one year at a time deals that teams can option more money on to like that's been this offseason so far which is good news for the titans that's what i'm trying to get across here very good news for a team like the titans that yeah they need some more starters there weren't really starters in this free agent class to go find not, not super quality plus starters. There are some in the draft and that's where I think they're going to focus their attention, especially on offense for starters, but they need depth and they have that available to them in free agency. So it wouldn't shock me at all. If Rand Carthen decided to continue to add depth with a bunch of one, two, three year deals for guys for 1.5, 2.1 vet men, like all these, all these deals they've been doing essentially maybe on the on the lower end of that but like the nwi deals with a half million dollars over the veteran veteran minimum for one year you could totally see that not for guys that and that's the difference right people are going to see that i think here's a prediction for you jt if they go and start doing that people are going to see it as oh told you titans are tanking look at all these one-year deals are signing big difference big difference if your team is going out and signing those kind of one-year deals with guys that are going to come in and start then yeah, that's a very good sign that you are take you know you're playing the long game at the very least. But if those are the guys you're bringing in for depth, because the the pool of available players to you is really limited, that's not an indication of that at all. Because we've seen teams that are competing bring in guys for I mean like the Texans they aren't good right now, but they're in they're in win now mode. They're officially at the beginning of win now mode, right? They are trying to be competitive. There there's no longer a long game at 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 foot here. They're trying to put together a competitive team. And they're giving all these guys one, two, three million dollar deals. A lot of them are depth guys. The handful of guys that are starters like Dalton Schultz, they're getting one year deal, but for eight million dollars, a big chunk of change. So that's that's it for that. The second thing in the warm up that I want to talk about is Kevin Byard. Now, I, this is a thing that I was going to talk for the majority of the show. Actually, I did talk for the majority of the show on Monday, the show that never saw the light of day. Um, it, it has now been talked about quite a bit. So for the sake of time, I, I, there's a, a lot of other things for us to get to. I have a couple of thoughts on it, some things that I heard behind the scenes that I'll share. But I will say, if you want a full in-depth breakdown on Kevin Byard, there are other places you can go on our network. You can go and listen to Music City Audible with Justin Mello and Justin Graver. They talked about it in depth. I listened earlier today to um, 
a little bit of the F words live stream. They talked about Bayard quite a bit. I know that Zach Lyons has written about it quite a bit over on his website. And I know that it was talked about on a football show with Braden Gall and Zach Lyons on Monday afternoon. So go listen to those guys. They broke it down even further in detail. And I agree with the majority of what they said. What I'll add to the conversation here. And for those, again, I, those listeners out there that I'm told are real, but I, I don't quite believe you that come to us as the number one pri primary source of Titans news. If you've been living under a rock with Bayard, here's the brief breakdown of the timeline. There was a report earlier this this weekend, I believe uh, this past weekend, rather. I think it was actually like on Friday, very early in the weekend, talking about how apparently Kevin Bayard as it was mentioned in a podcast. We actually talked about it on Friday. I'm remembering now Mike Silver. Uh, was it Mike? Silver? No, different guy. Somebody else. I forget who somebody of import talked on their podcast last Friday about how and we're finally here. I've roundabouted my way to it. Kevin Bayard being a guy that the Titans were trying to get to take less money and they're trying to redo his deal. But if they couldn't, they would potentially cut him. He threw it out kind of flippantly, but confidently made us think he's clearly heard some things. Then it was reported by others, including Adam Schefter and everyone's favorite local radio host clown show, Jared Stillman. I shouldn't have used that word. I'm sorry. Name calling is below me. Um, Jared Stillman, who I actually will defend here, even though I am a, if you have listened to this show at all, if you're one of the horsemen of the apocalypse that we're searching for, you know, not a huge fan of Jared Stillman. Um, I've met him personally. I've got nothing against him personally. I just think he's not very good at his job. Um, and uh, he reported based on his sources and that Adam Schefter reported shortly after Kevin Byard is in fact being at, or was in fact asked to take less money and is basically telling the Titans to, uh, to telling the Titans where to crossroad. I think that's a word some used in their reports. Like this is a thing that I'm not, I'm not going to budge. I feel like I have not, my play has not warranted being paid less, which he's absolutely right. It has not. I feel like my value to this team off the field as, as much as I am valuable on the field means enough for me to earn the money that I'm owed. Agreed. Everyone agrees, right? Everyone knows this. Kevin Byard is one of two rock foundations on the defense. Him and Jeffrey Simmons are what define this team. And they're huge, 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 huge locker room guys. So that was reported. And then very shortly after, and people, this is the thing I have to defend Stillman on. People were, were, were shouting it at him as they do. And Stillman, he's, he's earned this, to be fair saying that his sources can't be trusted, that this guy will say anything for clickbait. He'll, he won't source things. Well, he'll throw it out there. Stillman, you can think what you want of him. And I think a lot of things, you know, this, he didn't just make that up out of thin air. He didn't, he didn't, you know, Stillman is in the past. He has jumped to some conclusions. Like when he reported that Aaron Rodgers bought real estate and planned on building a house in Nashville a year or two ago, maybe I think he's coming to the Titans. That is an assumption. That's a step too far, right? They, the, the correlation, uh, the the um, the uh, correlation did not equal causation, right? This is not one of those things. This is him being told by a source, which I, I have checked. I actually talked to somebody who I trust on the Titans beat, and I texted them. My first thing was, hey, did Jared, is Jared Stillman, is he just full of it on this? And the answer was no, he's not full of it on this. He got, he got a source that he trusts in the Titans building, told him this. Uh, and, and so I believe him. I think that he did get told that because I think that Adam Schefter also did get told that because I think that 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 podcast host whose name is escaping us did get told that. However, right after Adam Schefter reported that I actually talked to Teron Davenport, friend of the show TD, after he reported that he had more than one source saying 
that is not what has happened at all. The Titans have not asked Kevin Byard to take less money. And I asked him, I said, is Stillman full of, full of crap on this? And he said, no, no, he's not. We've just, you know, we've got multiple sources. I've got it sourced twice, but Stillman may have the same sources as the other people that have that, but clearly it's a thing that's out there. What's really happening here. Okay. What is really happening here is simply some strategic negotiation lying going on. Okay. We're on, I think it was Zach Lyons who brought up that this is like, we're on third we're rounding second headed to third in contract negotiations. We, we, the public just weren't privy to the beginning of that. We weren't privy to the hit and rounding first and getting to second base. This is the part of a negotiation or a renegotiation or a restructuring of a deal in which the teams are trying to leverage public favor, leverage the public narrative in their favor. And so it's perfectly reasonable to assume because this happens all the time Bayard's camp or somebody close to Bayard's camp came out and intentionally leaked to folks like Schefter and like Stillman. Hey, we've been asked to take less money and we're working on something with the Titans, but we're at a crossroad right now. Okay. We need our client needs to be paid. Whereas a guy like TD, he's got great sources in the building. He goes to the Titans or close sources close to the Titans. And they say, we've not asked him to do that at all. That, that's not true. That's in, inaccurate information. So now we get both of those. We get the conflicting narratives out there and this is how it works, right? You leverage the public in your favor. So the number one thing is fans should not be worried that Kevin Byard's being cut. They absolutely should not be worried. He's not being cut. Now he might be traded. You go on, go on and get scared about that because it's very possible. I don't think that they will. I think it would be a DEFCON one level PR mistake. But in terms of cutting him, it makes no sense. You'd get roughly six million dollars in cap savings. It's not even close to worth worth the first of all the the dead cap, which is more than double the savings that you would accrue, as well as the loss of production on the field, as well as the the rock the cornerstone of your team that is that you are trying to retool and not rebuild tangentially i'll say he is one of those guys i've been people in my life have been asking me is it a rebuild or a retool for the titans and i tell them it is a retool for all the reasons we've talked about on this show that i won't reiterate but also look at it this is the simplest way i can boil it down who on this team defines this team it's ryan Tannehill. it's derrick henry it's jeffrey simmons it's in part Danico autry and Kevin Byard. It's four or five guys. Those are the rocks of this team. They're the veterans. They're in in a lot of ways the most productive guys. They're the guys that people lean on. They embody the culture of the team on and off the field. As long as they are still Tennessee Titans, it's not a rebuild. It's a retool. It's not it, they're not they're not radically shifting their identity. Now as soon as one of those guys or some of those guys are no longer on the Tennessee Titans roster for 2023, then we can chat about a rebuild. But until then, it's not all right, we'll move on to the third thing here in the warm-up. And I promise JT's probably sitting here looking at the time like um, my firstborn gets to live. You'll be surprised. I'm about to zoom through this stuff. The last thing is Peter Skaronsky. And I'll make this brief-ish because we're going to talk a good bit about it on Friday, I believe. JT and I were talking earlier today. Um, I'm going to push it again at the end of the show. But I've got Easton Freeze's Mock Draft 1.0 coming out this week. Been working on it really hard. Super excited about it. It's going to be a full first round breakdown of all the picks. If you want to learn a little bit about the top prospects in this draft, you can read a brief blurb on them from me, why I think they'd fit with the team that I have them mocked to. So the full first round. And then I did a seven round mock for the Titans, the full seven round, uh, seven rounds worth of picks, giving uh, a blurb or two or five on each guy and why I think they'd be great for the Titans. Um, and so you'll, you'll want to check in on that. And we're going to talk about scenarios at the top, which of course the top of the draft, which include 
Skaronsky, Paris Johnson Jr., uh, wider you know, JSN. What, what are they going to do? There's a lot of questions. Very interesting, very fun to talk about. With Skaronsky in particular, taking him out of to the Titans, just talking about him as a prospect, right? This turning Titans show part of this show off for a second. Peter Skaronsky, the lineman in the 2023 NFL draft. I've been not going to bat for him online this week, but I've been going to bat online for him this week in a sense with Titans Twitter, which is not, it's not exclusively a Titans Twitter problem. Um, I think it's just a draft Twitter NFL draft Twitter problem in general. I think we have jumped the shark a little bit, a little bit on our assumption that, that Peter Skaronsky is not going to play on the outside, that he is an interior offensive lineman. Now, if you're looking at the traits, if you're out, it, this entire conversation is based off of one tweet that I put out earlier this week. Here's the tweet, okay? The tweet is, if you've made your mind up that Peter Skaronsky is a guard, that's great. Seriously, it's great. It's fine. It just means that you value traits over tape. You can't say that Peter Skaronsky isn't a tackle based on the tape because, in fact, that tape screams that he is a tackle and a very, very good one. If your traits over tape, if that's the way that you like to evaluate players, that's totally cool. For real, there's a lot of very wealthy, very uh, smart, very successful draft analysts who prefer your traits over your tape. Most NFL teams lean traits over tape. Um, some only care about your traits. That's fine. It's cool. Just be consistent about it. Okay. And, and I, I don't usually like to, on the show, run down exactly a conversation that I had on Twitter, but the thoughts I had on this just happened to be brought up in a conversation back and forth with a couple of friends of the show, Mike Herndon on Twitter and Zach Lyons on Twitter. So I'm going to kind of go through our conversation and give you my thoughts as we go. So one could argue with Skaron. I mean, one will argue with Skaronsky and it's a, a very fair argument. The problem is that the, the list of tackles that have had success in the NFL with sub 33 inch arms is just non-existent. Mike Herndon brought up that Caleb McGarry with the Falcons, the only guy who's ever gotten a second contract to tackle. And he's a massive pass pro and liability. He actually, he's not with the Falcons anymore, right? He signed with the Broncos. Is that right? Or is he back with the Falcons? I think he's back with the Falcons. I think okay, he resigned. He's, he's back with the Falcons regardless. He's their right tackle, right? Yes. Um, it, it is, it is something that usually these guys with the shorter arms at best, they're a big pass pro liability because of their tiny arms, their, their small reach. It's just a major outlier bet. That was what Mike Herndon was proposing, which is the, the fair argument against, against him being a tackle, right? We know this JT because at the combine two weeks ago, we pulled up the list and went through name by name all the guys in since 1999 that have been drafted coming out of school as tackles with sub 33 inch arms. It's a bunch of nothing, right? We established this. It's really a bunch of nothing. So he would be an outlier for sure. There's no doubt, but his tape clearly says that he is that outlier. So it just, it makes it a really tricky and I think really fun evaluation. It's something, it's something that, and this was an important thing that I elaborated in some of those conversations. It's only a massive outlier gamble. If you're betting on him being a better tackle than he is a guard, right? Because if you come at it from a mindset of I'm grabbing the best lineman in this draft, he's got real versatility. And I think the best case for him is that he's a great left tackle. I also happen to think that the worst case for him is an all pro career at guard. So the only unusual risk in that draft evaluation is you're risking drafting him and then looking back on it and it looking like bad positional value. Right. And in, in that case, if you like, 
if you've got a stud on your roster filling a vital role that you desperately need, no one cares about positional value in the draft two, three, four years later, right? All these players in the draft, that all these players in the NFL that you love that went in the fifth round, you don't, you don't look at them like, oh yeah, Cooper Cup, I love that guy. Too bad he's a fifth round. Like you don't care. You don't know that. Um, it doesn't matter. So it's something that I, I think is an in, interesting conversation. The, the point that was brought up by Zach Lyons over at Football and Other F-Words, before we move on here, he was trying to, I mean, knowing Zach, he's a, he's a smart debater. He's, he's, he's an intelligent guy. He knows how he knows how to use your words against you if you're not careful. And I'm not saying he was doing this maliciously, but he was trying to make a, see if there was a point to be made here. He said, aren't, aren't you talking to me traits over tape with the way that I view Bryce Young? And we've talked about Bryce Young. If you listen to the show, you know that I think Bryce Young is a massive gamble. And I said in response to that, Bryce Young's traits have no impact on my evaluation of his ability to play or what his ideal position might be. I, I mean, I, I've said this on the show, JT. I think he's going to rock. I think he's going to be awesome for as long as his body holds up. I just think that his traits dictate a higher likelihood of a shortened prime, shortened career, and a higher injury risk each year, right? Generally speaking, I try, and just to put this on the record, I try to keep my mental value of traits and tape as close to 50-50 as I possibly can. I feel like they're both valuable. They're both useful. I feel like the truth is in the middle with most things, and this is not an exception. And so that's why I've grown super agnostic on Skaronsky in terms of where he belongs in the NFL, what position he can play. I was firmly, I was for JT, you have to remember this. I was firmly in the Pierce Gronsky cannot play tackle camp before the combine. And then we go, we, I learn about him. I watch him move, watch him, uh, test. I, I watch tape after we get back, start doing some studying on him. And, and the more that I watch him, the more that I study him, the more it brings me back to that stasis of uncertainty where I just, I'm agnostic. I don't know what he can play. And so I think it's totally fair to say that drafting Skaronsky and banking on him being a better tackle than he is a guard is a, is a real gamble based on his traits. You're banking on him being an outlier. What I think isn't fair is saying or inferring with certainty that we know what position he'll play as many, many folks in the draft space have grown comfortable doing too early on here. I think that the significant difference in the comparison, by the way, between Bryce Young and Skaronsky is that while I see the reasonable floor for Young being like an Andrew Luck style tragic career where he's pretty good and and then it just falls super short really early, I see the reasonable floor for Skaronsky being an all pro caliber career as a guard. So if that's your floor, again, I, I just I don't think it would be a bad move high in the draft, even if he ends up being an interior guy. And that's not because I think it's okay to draft an interior guy up there. It's because I don't know what he is. And I think that there is a real shot worth gambling on for the right team that he could be an awesome tackle because he was in college. All right, JT, we have 14 minutes. Let's see what happens here. We've got three or four more topics to get through, but they are much less me musing and giving you uh, my opinions and much more us covering the facts. So let's fly through the free agent roundup. The Titans, uh, I mean, they we, we'd known this before for a number of these guys. They announced formally on Monday that they had signed their first five free agents, actually, not to forget Luke Gifford. Very sorry, buddy. Um, and then they signed a sixth on Monday morning who we've not been introduced to yet, but we know he's in town and he's a, a maybe not the most impactful 
signing, but he is definitely up there. He is one of the more impactful signings, and uh, I find him to be a very interesting player. So let's start with this first one, JT, um, that I'll have you set us up for in a second. But first, I want to point out at the top, when we're talking about the Titans and free agency, and this was a tweet, a point that was made up by Albert Breer over at, I think, SI Monday Morning Quarterback. He said that it was interesting to see Titans GM Rand Carthen hunting for bargains with ex-Niners and Daniel Brunskill and Aziz Al-Shair and Arden Key, bringing those guys into the fold, replacing Nate Davis and David Long and Bud Dupree. A lot of folks in the national media have been kind of surprised. Rand Carthen isn't just tearing it down, that he's bringing in some guys on some contracts that seem like maybe they are more of a retool contract, maybe more of a we think you could be a starter here for a while contract. And my my thought on that sentiment is, and on free agency in general, we kind of touched on this a couple of minutes ago, looking for gems in the bargain bin of the goodwill that is free agency. That is how you do free agency, right? Okay, splash moves are fun, cool, but rarely do they provide the value that shopping wisely and prudently in the middle tier of players available in free agency does. And that's exactly what Rand Carthen is doing. He's bringing in guys that he projects could be worth kind of double what he's paying them. And he's paying them, hoping that that pans out, but not a sum of money that would be backbreaking if they don't pan out. And that's exactly how I think he should be handling it. He's doing a good job. Who was the first such guy that he brought in, JT? Yeah, let's talk about a guy who was replacing a guy that went on to another team, Aziz Al-Shair. We talked about him being a guy who's possibly a David Long replacement. They signed him to a contract in which the Titans will only see a $2.44 million cap charge for Shair in 2023 because of a couple of void years tacked onto the end. And if he isn't retained beyond 2023, he'll have a $2.5 million dead cap hit. Yeah, and that's the the, um, void years at the end of the contract is something that We've seen already a couple of times for Rand Carthen. Another thing that indicates this is a retool, folks, not a rebuild. You don't put on void years that kind of make your book screwy later. Like you're making yourself more trouble later to save yourself some trouble now financially. You don't do that if you're rebuilding. Al Shair and these these four or five guys that we've known they've signed. We've already talked about them on the show. I don't have a ton of thoughts. Just a couple of things that stood out to me. And we did see these these five main guys that were signed before. Um, well, it's what it's it's Al Shair. Andre Dillard, um, uh, I'm told, Daniel Brunskill, and then Arden Key. And Key, and uh, we're, we're forgetting once again the uh, former Cowboys linebacker who is uh, Luke Gifford. Yeah, Gifford. Um, so those four guys we heard from. So a couple of thoughts from their press conferences, as well as the numbers that have come out on them finally. Thank you, Titans, for putting those out. The JT just ran down. For Al Shair, he said in his press conference he plans to play at around 225, 227, which is good for, I mean, he's a smaller guy. He's in the lower percentiles for height and weight. Um, he's just, he's kind of like David Long was, kind of a freaky athlete and makes up for it. A little bit of an outlier to him in that way. But getting up around 230 is a good weight for him. Uh, but he said his goal is to be 230 or more going into training camp because he knows he's going to shed a few uh, pounds at, at camp as it goes on. I bring that up halfway to talk about his size and halfway to talk about how in that response, a question from Paul Kaharski, Al Shair introduced himself to Paul Kaharski by calling him fat, which was really funny. The highlight of all of the uh, the press conferences. We love Paul, friend of the show. I mean, fellow member of the 440 Podcast Network, the Paul Kaharski Show. Go check it out. He's a stud. He's the best doing it. But he got you good, Paul. He got you good with the uh, hope I, I don't weigh as much as you comment, even though I feel I probably I feel like I probably weigh as much as as Paul. So I guess I'm I'm in that same boat. Um. 
But the, the only other thing is he was really the thing that came through for me most in his press conference. He was pushing, um, not pushing, but emphasizing how much he could feel the family atmosphere here, the way that he interacted with Mike Rabel and Rand Carthon and all the guys that he'd met so far in the building. It's that family element, and that shouldn't really be shocking to anybody knowing Amy Adams Trunk and Mike Vrabel and Rand Carthen. That is the that's the vibe they're going for. So I think they're nailing it when they've got guys coming in and in 10 seconds pointing out this place feels kind of homey. It feels kind of like a family. These people are tight. That's a big deal. All right, who's the next guy? Next one is where is he going to play? We don't know, but Andre Dillard is going to be on the line somewhere. His contract details came out and has a base value of $29 million over three years with $6 million more in incentives, basically meaning that he's got $10 million guaranteed this year at signing, and it's more of a year-to-year deal as he goes forward. So the Titans have a little bit of flexibility with him. Yeah, they do. With Dillard, and based on his money, it looks like they're they're paying him like he might play left tackle, which I, I think that the Titans intend for him to be their left tackle unless they grab Paris Johnson Jr. or Peter Skronsky at the top of the draft. I think those are the two guys that could challenge for that job. I don't anticipate them going out and finding another guy in free agency or trading for somebody. They could. You know, I, I, don't, I don't feel super strongly about that take, but I don't think that that's going to happen. I think that they're kind of set in terms of guys they could bring in that could realistically challenge for the starting roles. Um, I will say this, he, the thing that stood out, maybe the thing that stood out to me the most about his press conference, he said that it was fair to say that he's more of a pass blocker than a run blocker. He also mentioned that he has steadily improved in the run game over his past four years with the Eagles. I don't doubt that the Eagles coaching staff really developed him. Well, they doing something right up there in terms of offensive line. If you watch any Eagles football, so that's a good sign out of the gate. But he, he does acknowledge the fact that, yeah, like I'm more of a pass guy than a run guy. I've worked really hard and gotten better in the run game, but that's who I am. And that's who I know I am. And that's who Rand Carthen knows I am. It's who the Titans know that I am. It's who they're choosing to bring in. It's just, it, it, I mean, we knew this, but it is interesting to see confirmate verbal confirmation. No, no inferences involved. This is a guy that's being brought in because we need to improve our pass blocking desperately that's fascinating to me and i think that it's a theme you're going to continue to see as the titans build out this offensive line in the coming weeks and months all right who's the third guy next up is another guy on the offensive line daniel brunskill he signed a two-year 5.5 million dollar deal with a with 1.5 million guaranteed and a million dollar signing bonus so it's a significantly cheaper option than nate davis who got himself a bag with the chicago bears yeah, I mean, this is kind of the theme here. If if you're looking at it as a one-to-one replacement, which it may be, it may not be. We don't know how well they're going to play in their new their new locations. And we also don't know if they're going to, you know, I won't say that. We don't we don't know whether or not um they're they're going to live up to their money. I'll leave it at that. So it it, it is a thing, and by the way, just super super tangential even though we're up against it on time here he looks like mike herndon and ben jones like had a baby a little bit he's and and that's not really fair because he's just got the the looks like he plays offensive line or uh linebacker generic very very well built white man look to him so that's just kind of the prerequisite it looks good in a hat that's something that ben jones and mike herndon both imbibe so um that was a, a running joke on him but he did come across as the guy who may be the spiritual leader taking that helm from Ben Jones of this offensive line really liked what he had to say in the press conference. Uh, he, he was pointing out how he thinks OTAs are going to be very big for this offensive line. 
kind of obvious, but yes, definitely as they try to figure out who's going to play where and start to get some chemistry together. He also said that he's more comfortable on the right side, but he's willing to go anywhere. And we knew this about him. He's a very versatile guy seen as a very versatile guy coming out of San Francisco. Um, but he also, the last thing I'll say is he mentioned that he loved the scheme of the Titans run because he did his homework and they like to run the damn ball. He said, so he wanted to come here because every lineman on the face of the planet prefers to run than to pass block. Cause it's more fun. So that's, uh, that's all my thoughts on Brunskill. I'm excited to see where they place him and who is the fourth guy the Titans signed. Yeah, the next guy up probably had the most entertaining press conference out of all five. It's got to be sure. Arden Key, who looks to slot in on that defensive front there that's going to actually look pretty scary this upcoming year. You would think so, and I mean, it, it has for the past two years. Let's hope that they can keep guys healthy in the offseason, in the season as well, and then they can get some guys that come back off of injury and and don't I mean Harold Landry you got to hope that he can is very very early in the year last year so you'd think the ACL is is in as good a shape as possible for this year but you just never know sometimes it takes a year and a half two years for these guys to get back at it um I, with key the, the thing that stood out most was his energy like you said the the energy I mean he called himself the energizer bunny in the press conference he has got this ferocious, got that dog in him, maybe has a screw loose mentality, the kind of thing you want in an edge rusher. Seems like he'd be an awesome hang. Um, and he's, he seems like he's a really vocal leader, really likes to talk and um, carries that that reassuring energy about him, right? That you just, he seems like a guy that you could follow into battle. He talked about how he loves hitting the quarterback so much. Um, he mentioned it like three or four times. He also mentioned multiple times that he felt disrespected and he's kind of pissed off about the Jaguars. He's ready to tighten up and and see those Jaguars have the Jaguars catch these tighten up hands a couple of times a year. So um, that's got to be exciting for Titans fans. But another thing that I believe it was him that mentioned, he was doing his research, asking guys like, hey, if I come here, you know, I'm coming from the Jaguars seen as an ascendant team in the AFC, seen as an definitely the ascendant team in the AFC South, I'm considering joining you guys, the Titans who are seen nationally perceived to be definitely a descending team in the AFC and a descending team in their own division. Are you trying to win the AFC? Like, are y'all trying to compete? And the resounding answer he said he got from players and anyone he contacted was hell. Yeah. We're trying to compete. Absolutely. We're trying to compete. So that is a good sign for key. It's a good sign for the Titans and good sign for fans and a good sign for me who gets to, for how many times today say it's a retool, not a rebuild. Who's the next guy, JT. It's the one we keep forgetting about, but yeah. it's still very much Poor important. Guy. Luke Gifford, <laughs> who is a, a top five guy in the league in special teams. This is true. Total ace. I feel like we get one or two of these guys early in free agency every single year. It's talked about. And then Craig Ackerman, um, I guess they just get buried in the Craig Ackerman scheme or whatever it is. And then they they either get hurt or have no impact. And you're you're like, OK, cool. We just wasted two million dollars or three million dollars on a guy. They didn't really do anything for our special teams, which continue to be mediocre. My nose is very itchy. Can you tell? You should be watching on YouTube, by the way. Broadway Sports Media on YouTube. You'll see me itching my nose. Um, we we don't know a ton about Gifford, and we don't know how they're going to utilize him because even if he's the best special teamer in the world, like I said, Ackerman doesn't seem to get the best out of the guys that he brings in, so I really have no thoughts on him. Sorry, buddy. Uh, yeah, that's it. Who's <laughs> the last guy, the Titans sign that we have to talk about? Well, new guy that they the newest guy about. here, Sean Murphy Bunting from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He signs a, I believe, a one year deal with the mm -hmm. Titans one here, year five million, and he brings uh, another, hopefully, healthier body to this secondary core that the Titans are building. One would think healthier by default, just considering 
it's hard to get less healthy than they've been. Um, I, we, I was talking about him on social media before they signed him because we actually found out on Sunday night that they were going to visit with him and maybe sign him. We found out Monday morning they did sign him. He's a lanky press corner, nice ball skills. I did some research on him, went and looked at some past draft evaluations of him coming out, some evaluations of him from his time in Tampa Bay, from folks covering Tampa Bay. He's got four NFL seasons under his belt, just 25 years old, rounding into his prime, coming off of his best year to date, at least according to PFF grades, his overall grade as a defender last year, uh, well, in his four seasons from first to most recent 66.2, 55.9, 61.7, and then a big 15 point jump up to 76.6. That's uh, in terms of PFF color charting. That is a firm green. Very, very good. 80.9 grading coverage. Awesome cover corner last year for the Bucks. Had two bad games that kind of brought down his overall stock, but had a really, really knockout year despite some injuries. So he come, comes in prepared to join the injury culture, potentially. You got to hope he stays healthy. But I think adding him to this cornerback room, it not only gives the Titans the veteran presence that they desperately need in that room because their cornerback group is so, so young. But it also, I think, will allow for Roger McCreary, who's going to do his second year this year, to play inside a little bit more where he probably belongs with his shorter arms. Um, it, it, those two guys you can both see in the slot. I think they're they're relatively similar players, relatively similar builds, but it's going to allow them to kind of swap in and out and maybe keep either of them from getting too toasted on the outside. So that's a, a good thing for the Titans. Um I, I also think that it's going to keep the Titans just as a team from there were a number of times last year, JT, where the Titans, because of the very, very limited group of secondary players they had at their disposal, they were kind of handcuffed in terms of what they could do for for a bespoke defensive game plan for their opponent. Like they couldn't tailor it exactly how they wanted it to. They had to tailor it to their group of players, not the players they were playing against. That's not a great place to be in when you're trying to put together a game plan. You'd prefer to have whatever you need to put together any kind of tailored game plan you can. Titans weren't in that boat. I think this will allow them to be in more situations on a week-to-week -week basis where they can tailor their game plan, decide who's playing where and how much, how often, based on the defend based on the defense they need to play to win against that team, instead of trying to focus on well, who do we even have to play in the first place. That's a big deal. Uh, another big deal, former Titans, big deal, probably the best cornerback the Titans have had. You know, I'm not even gonna try to think a long, it's been a long time. Logan Ryan, uh, formerly with the Bucks. So he knows Sean Murphy bunting. I believe he knew him coming out as a rookie. He was still there in. Yeah, he was because they were both part of that Super Bowl team. He tweeted a rousing endorsement of Sean Murphy bunties saying SMB is an interception guy, more picks in the playoffs than some have in their entire career. He's athletic and can play both inside and outside Titans got themselves a playmaker who can do it on the big stage. Now Murphy bunting didn't play a defensive snap in the bucks. First three games last year, he stepped up in the final four games. However, playing every snap in three straight had an interception and a forced fumble in their division clinching win against the Panthers late in the year. And like we've talked about a little bit, PFF had him as the number 26 cornerback overall last year, which is higher than some folks you recognize, such as Bradbury and uh, Cam Sutton. So I, I think that the, the last thing I'll say on this that I find interesting about them bringing in bunting is the Titans new secondary coach, Chris Harris, who we've talked about at length a couple of weeks ago. We like him a lot coming out of Washington. Very, very clearly a guy that, had interest around the league. We weren't even sure if he's going to be a Titans coach for a long time. He comes in and he's got a lot of talent to work with, but it's very young and 
the track record is that it's relatively fragile. I mean, this is the entire wide receiver room right now under contract, JT. Christian Fulton, 24 years old. Roger McCreary, 23 years old. Sean Murphy Bunting, 25 years old. Elijah Molden, 24 years old. Caleb Farley, 24 years old. And then the elder statesman of the group, Trey Avery, 26 years old. So it is a group that is very young. And while we're talking about over overarching ideas with this defense and groups therein, this defense is very close to set. I mean, Titans fans, I don't think they quite appreciate how this offensive retool or this this offseason retool is really just a Freudian slip offensive retool at this point because defensively here's who they've got they've got and, and there's a couple of these guys that have asterisks on them okay they got de- defensive tackle Jeffrey Simmons who's awaiting a new contract we don't know if he's going to be on the team but we suspect he will be defensive tackle Tier Tart he was tendered expecting him to be on the team edge Harold Landry edge Danico Autry edge Arden Key Edge Rashad, Rashad Weaver. You'd like to add another edge guy in there, but that's a fine group. Linebacker Aziz Al-Shair. Linebacker Monty Rice. They've got some depth at that position now as well. Cornerback Christian Fulton. Cornerback Sean Murphy Bunting. Cornerback Roger McCreary. Cornerback Elijah Molden. And then safety Kevin Byard, who were awaiting contract restructure or renegotiation. And then safety Amani Hooker. They need another guy in terms of depth or two or three at safety. But they've got their starting lineup. So it's really just depth needs now for the defense. Um, and I see that, uh, JT officially congratulations. Um, your firstborn does get to live cause I'm over time. I feel like I've gotten close here. Um, I can finish the, just to let people behind the scenes here. I know that you got a heart out. I can finish the show without you if you need to go, or we can continue to motor. If you just need, if you need to dip at any point, just go and I'll keep motoring. Sound good. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, all right. All right. So while you're good. still here, at least who's this, who's this next guy we got to talk about. People were awfully upset. The Titans signed this one. It, it's it's a guy that they re-signed here in NWI. Um, people, he, of course, he went out to test the market, had no market, and came back on a one-year deal. He was here. the grandpa in The Simpsons, walking into and the bar, looking for the market, set his coat on that rack, put it right back on, and walk out the door. That was him testing the market. It, it really was, and I, I I think it's a little funny that Titans fans are overreacting. NWI coming back on a one year, $1.26 million deal here. That was the contract. It, it, I believe well, because so. based, based on yes. what I heard online, I thought it was like a three year, $27 million fully guaranteed contract. It was just, I think, that, I think that's what NWI was looking for on the market. And well, sure. Get. Him and me both. I'm still looking for it. Um, neither of us are finding it anytime soon. So yeah, I, like you said, he's, he's being paid what, like a half million dollars more than the vet minimum they would have had to pay him significantly like double what they're paying him if not more if he were to be tendered because the lowest tender he qualifies for shout out to our football business guy zach lyons for getting some of this info the lowest tender he qualified for was 2.62 million dollars they ended up giving him 1.37 million dollars for reference the vet minimum is 1.01 so actually he's making like a quarter million dollars or a third of a million dollars more than the vet minimum they're they're saving one point almost four million dollars by not tendering him, and then they're keeping him on the roster. I was I was on the Tighten Up podcast over at A to Z Sports today. I don't know when it's going to be out, but I said this on that show. We were talking about how people's misconceptions of NWI are the reason they hate him. People think JT that NWI is. They think that NWI is like Dr. Thunder or Publix brand Oreos and that the Titans are by like Titans are your mom going to the grocery store. They bring you home 
off-brand Oreos or Dr. Thunder. And you're like, why are you trying to pass this off as the real thing? I want the real version of this. This version sucks. That's not what he is. It's not what, maybe it was what, what John Robinson was bringing home for you. But Rand Carthen is not going out and buying him to serve that function in your pantry. He, NWI, at the number they've paid him, he is like Kroger brand saltine crackers. Are they generic brand? Yes. Are they the exact same as any other saltine cracker? Yeah. He's being brought in to be your wide receiver, four, five, six, maybe cut by the end of camp. You don't know. That's you got. You have to have those guys on your team. You have to. You, you can't be a team and just have good receivers. You've got to have depth guys. Now, you have every right to be mad as a Titans fan if we get once again to the end of August and ooh, uh, NWI, number two on the depth chart, number three on the depth chart. Cool. If they didn't bring in other people, fine. But it is a situation where I don't think that's the case with Rand Carthen. Nothing to indicate that's the case. Based on the money they paid him, that's definitely not the case. And I expect to get a ton of, out of him in terms of production. I think that he's being brought in to be your saltine crackers. And listen, when you're trying to make an awesome, you're trying to make an awesome uh, like a chili. Rand Carthen's trying to cook up a, a nice chili stew with this team. Get some nice ingredients in there. If you've got a bunch of friends over for a, a nice brisk fall day party in your backyard, you're cooking up some chili. You go to the pantry and you don't have saltine crackers. You're going to have an incomplete meal. People are going to be like, hey, where are the saltine crackers? Hey, all our receivers got hurt. And it's week 17. Where We got any backups? NWI. Durable. Available. He knows how to play football. He knows the scheme. He's just not very great. You don't want him out there. But in a pinch, you need to have him. And so that's why I think that people are, are mad because they think that he is the off-brand Oreo or the Dr. Thunder, when in reality, he's just he's just a, a random saltine cracker, okay? It's not a big deal. Um, so the, it, was, it was Overreaction City. It's been Overreaction City. It's from the same folks you expect, the resident overreactors on uh, Twitter.com and on the internet and in Titan Spheres. So it is one of those things where they're always going to overreact, and you should uh, take note of the fact that they always overreact and, and maybe consider how much you uh, listen to them in the future. All right, and with that, JT did have to leave. Him and his unborn firstborn child get to survive because I, I did not pass the 45-minute challenge. Um, but listen, if you know this show, you probably knew that was going to happen anyways. We are close to the end here. So we'll just motor on through, and I'll be my own producer, co-host, and host. How about that? If you have watched the show long enough, you know I got pretty good at it back in the day because I did this show solo for almost an entire season. Um, the next thing on the docket here in the free agent roundup is some new coaching hires. Mike Vrabel continues to add new coaches to his roster of available fellas to help him out in the building. Like they are a running bit for every, like this post gets, I'm going to hire a new coach. He has put together the biggest coaching staff he's ever assembled. It was announced by the Titans on Tuesday morning, I believe at Tuesday, midday, by Jim Wyatt uh, over at TennesseeTitans.com that Titans head coach Mike Vrabel had added three assistants to his staff. Offensive line assistant Matt Jones, formerly of UTM underscore football. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I don't I think that's Tennessee football, but I don't know. There's no way. That, oh, UT Martin. I'm dumb. It's got to be UT Martin. Um, shout out a local university or uh, in-state university. He was also signed along with Matt Jones from UT Martin. Um, and I've lost my spot entirely. This is wow. I'm doing a great job doing this by myself, aren't I? 
Uh, here we go. Along with assistant special teams coaches, Tom Quinn, formerly of the Giants, and former Ravens and TSU Tigers player, Anthony Levine. Both of those guys, Tom Quinn and Anthony Levine, being brought in as a special assistant special teams coaches, Matt Jones being brought in as an offensive line assistant coach. Uh, in terms of background on these guys, not a ton. I know that the uh, the Anthony Levine hire is an interesting one because he's a former Ravens defensive back and a special team standout. Apparently, Anthony Levine Sr. was. He worked last year as a scouting and coaching assistant with the Ravens, then left the organization to become an assistant special teams coach for the Titans this season. And he had been with the Ravens uh, for the better part of a decade in some capacity. So he is coming down to a, an old Ravens rival to coach for the Titans. Another interesting one. And the guy that was hired alongside him as a special teams assistant is, is Tom Quinn from the giants. Now this is a guy that spent 11 years. He's a veteran head coach, 11 years in the league. And he's being brought in as an, as an assistant special teams coach. This is Mike Vrabel has always been about. We like to develop our guys here. We got to have our coaches and scouts rise to the ranks. We want them to, you know, better themselves, advance their careers, move up, you know, get, get new jobs here or get new jobs elsewhere. We like to continue to promote. We like to promote from within inside the organization. We like to groom guys to move to the next step. With that in mind, could one reasonably assume Maybe this is a shot across Craig Ackerman's bow. Maybe you bring in an 11 year veteran coach to be in a, your assistant. You're a guy that's been under fire for pretty much the duration of your job here in Tennessee as not being actively bad necessarily. Although at times you have been, but being generally speaking, mediocre at best, always bland and not doing anything innovative or not really contributing to the team in any significant way. That could be a shot across his bow. That could be a warning signal. Hey, hey, Craig, we've got guys behind you in line, guys working under you, but working for me, Mike Vrabel, who will take your job if you are not careful. So be careful. Impress us this year. Take guys like Luke Gifford that we bring you in free agency and actually make something of them. So that's all that I have to talk about on the coaching front. Now we have to talk about Lamar Jackson and the rumors that have been surrounding him. It's been a saga all week with Lamar Jackson rumors. It started out. A couple of days ago, talking about, um, I think it was ESPN. Yes, ESPN's Jeremy Fowler talked about in an article that he wrote, unnamed NFL executives who had suggested the Titans could be a good fit for Lamar Jackson. Now, that's not really a report. It's just saying he asked some folks in the league and they said, oh, it could make sense for the Titans. So those folks probably aren't even considering financial implications. They aren't considering fit or anything. Well, that. Scheme fit, yes, but fit in terms of the long-term plan of this team. So take that with a grain of salt. But the quote from the article is, quote, and then when you talk about good fits, I asked some executives around the league what teams would make sense. They mentioned Tennessee, who just cleared some cap space, end quote. Yes, that makes sense. At that point, I, I still did not consider Lamar Jackson to the Titans a serious possibility. Then it was reported today on Tuesday from Dov Kleinman, who, generally speaking, is a respected aggregator of information, breaking reports for the NFL on social media and online, but in recent history has been sometimes not the most reliable source. So take this with a grain of salt. He said that Lamar Jackson is, quote, ready to move on from the Ravens, a source told Mike Florio, a, a good source, might I add, 
uh, or excuse me, a, a good a good guy to trust with his sources, Mike Florio. He is one of the most interconnected guys in the entire league. Another source told Florio that Lamar does not does not want a fully guaranteed contract. That's interesting. What else is interesting is that as of an hour, uh, two hours ago, according to our friend of the show, buddy, colleague, Justin Mello, he said, according to at bookies, uh, the latest odds on where Lamar Jackson will be in 2023. The best odds still belong to the Ravens plus 225 an implied 30.8% chance. The next best team as of today is the Titans at plus 400 an implied 20% chance. He joins the team followed by the Patriots at plus 500 Vikings plus 550 Colts plus a thousand Jets plus 1400 Falcons plus 1500 and the field at plus 575. So the books implying there's a one in five shot that the Titans end up going after Lamar Jackson. Now, if I've got about 30 minutes worth of thoughts on this that I'm going to keep to myself until we know what happens to Lamar Jackson. And I'll really go into it for ultimately probably hours on end if they end up signing him, because that'll be all we talk about all summer long. I, if the question is, do I expect the Titans to, to sign Lamar Jackson? Now the answer is still a hard and fast and firm. No. However, has it become a small tangible possibility in the back of my head that I'm taking seriously? Absolutely. It has. Absolutely. It has. It is. I mean, listen, I like to change my mind as I get new information. I think that's the only, it's the only thing smart people can do. The only thing honest and intelligent people can do. You have to change your opinion as things change around you. And it's looking more and more like, and really the thing, the, the main thing that has changed here is if the part of the report in which Lamar Jackson does not necessarily need a fully guaranteed contract is true, that could change some things for some teams looking to be a suitor for him. What else could change things is the fact that he reportedly is ready to move on. If that is in any way true, then maybe he'd be willing to strike a better deal with somebody else than the Ravens. Maybe he's disgruntled. Maybe he's not happy with the Ravens right now. And if that's the case, you could totally see him moving on somewhere. I just don't know who or when or ultimately for what. Last thing before we get to our last segment, which is sum it up. We're going to once again go around the league and I'm going to try to sum up uh, non-Titans big free agent moves in as few words as I possibly can and give you a couple of thoughts on those just to keep everybody up to date on things going on around the league. But before we get to that, a recent mock that caught my eye, Daniel Jeremiah's mock came out this morning. Um, while we're talking about mocks, I might as well mention that Mel Kuyper's mock over at ESPN came out, I believe, also this morning on Tuesday. He mocked Tyree Wilson, Edge, out of Texas Tech. Absolute freakazoid of a, of a human being definitely the freakiest looking athlete that i saw in person not not in the testing drills but just walking around on on the convention center floor passing him by watching him interview with mike florio actually i was kind of just staring like wow but i mean he's sitting up there mike florio is a normal sized guy like you and i but he's probably taller than i but he's also sitting next to chris sims on the pro football talk nbc media booth stand chris sims is a former nfl quarterback former titans quarterback mind you watch your mouth chris sims i like him a lot i think he's a smart guy he's built like an nfl quarterback guys he's he's a big fella i mean I, alexa how tall is chris sims chris sims weighs 231 pounds and is six feet four inches tall six four 230 right there 
Tyree Wilson made him look like uh, me standing next to like Derrick Henry. Like that's what that was the vibe when those two were sitting next to each other. He's a freak of nature. He's huge. He's awesome. He's a top 10 pick in this mock. He's one of the guys and we've talked about this. I think that there are by my count. I think it's 12, maybe 13 guys that should slash will go in the first round of this draft and or in the first 10 picks of this draft which means there are going to be at least two or three of them that are available at 11. And Tyree Wilson could very well be that guy. Who's the, who's the guy in this upper crust of the draft that falls to 11. Maybe it's not a preferred offensive lineman or receiver for the Titans, but it absolutely could be a stud at another position that they could go BPA best player available, grab him, or they could see, Hey, who wants the stud? We will trade back. And that's ideally what I would like them to do. That's what I think that they'll probably try to do. If that's the scenario. In the Daniel Jeremiah mock, just some notes that I grabbed from that that you'll find interesting. Jeremiah of NFL Network, great guy. Briefly bumped into him at the Combine. Wish I had met him more. Would love to have him on the show sometime. Um, he mentioned Vegas, Indianapolis, and Seattle as teams that he could tr that he could see trading with the Cardinals for that third overall pick. He also mentioned, or mocked rather, the Texans grabbing uh, Bryce Young at, at the second overall pick. Not shocking, obviously. Everybody in the world has Young and Stroud going one and two in some order. The Colts take Richardson at four instead of Will Levis, which is an interesting one. He mentioned in his blurb about how he could see them going with either, but he could totally see former Eagles OC Shane Steichen, the new head coach of the Colts, falling in love with that guy and wanting to develop him. You could see kind of an at-odd situation there that may be an interesting story that folks have, I may have a, an early read on this story in the AFC, because if we start to hear more about there being an internal split, perhaps between say the Colts GM, Chris Ballard and the co Colts head coach, Shane Steichen, that would make some sense. You could see Ballard be in on a guy like maybe Will Levis, or maybe even a uh, moving. I don't even know how they would finagle it, but trying to get one of the upper guys or going in, maybe even trying another retread, even though he probably has under the table told his, owner please don't fire me i won't not i will draft a guy next year i won't get another retread so i doubt that happens however if he's in love with a guy like levis at four you could totally see steichen in love with a guy like richardson because whereas chris ballard is trying to save his job right now trying to keep his job trying to get better in a hurry shane steichen just got hired he's got goodwill built up he's not he's not in any rush he could see a guy like richardson and say hey and i think rightly so the ceiling on this guy's way higher. They're both projects. They both got big arms. They're both big bodied guys. Richardson's way better runner. He's got a stronger arm than Levis. I think he, he's just a freakier athlete and his ceiling is higher. And if he turns into a true dual threat quarterback, who's a, even a, an average league passer, he's going to be immediately a top three runner in the league when he comes into the league. So that's a win. That could be an interesting angle. I think it could be a really interesting angle. You could see there there could be some internal who do we draft at quarterback debate between the Colts, just like there's some internal debate that may be brewing with the Panthers as to who get how to who to get at that first pick. Um, the the next thing that we have to uh, talk about here, as my notes have decided to leave the page on me. Here we go. The other notes from that Daniel Jeremiah mock that I found interesting. He has the Titans taking JSN at the 11th overall pick passing on Paris Johnson jr. Skaronsky was already gone in that mock. Um, I think that that is the, I mean, I, I know that right now that is the prevailing third option for the Titans. Everyone in the world seems to think the Titans are doing one of four things. Really. They're either trading back. 
they are drafting Paris Johnson Jr. They are drafting Peter Skaronsky, or they are drafting Jackson Smith and Jigba out of, out of Ohio State at the receiver position. That's probably going to change over the coming weeks. It always does. But as of right now, I, I really don't want, I don't, I don't hate any of those options. I kind of like all, the one that I like the least is is going for JSN at 11 as Jeremiah mocked here, but that's only because of the positional value of it. If he if he, they better be right, if you're taking your swing there with your guy, you better be right, especially in this wide receiver draft class where there's slim pickings. But if they're right, who cares? That's a, that's a great player to get at, at the 11th pick. He's he's the wide receiver one in this draft class by my count with a bullet. So good on you. The last note is he did mention in his blurb about Skaronsky and Paris Johnson Jr. How both of them he thinks would could and would be immediately plug and play starting tackles. Now the teams he had mocked, they both needed right tackles. So he had them both actually switching sides entirely. Although I believe both of, I know Johnson has played on the right. Some, I think that Skaronsky probably played a little bit of everywhere. If I had to guess, I don't know for sure, to be honest with you, they'd be moving to the right side. Whereas I think with the Titans, they would definitely either would be on the left side. Let's move to sum it up. I have I have lost my groove here without my my um my service dog, my my comfort animal, my spirit animal, producer JT. We're gonna move on here as I continue to do both roles. We're into sum it up. This is the fun game we've been doing all through free agency, where I keep my mouth shut as much as possible, where I, I could talk about each of these guys and we could do a four-hour show, but no one wants to hear that. So we're gonna go through the league's transactions of note this week, all of the big free agent moves. I'm going to sum them up in as few words as I possibly can, maybe offer a sentence or two of explanation, and then we'll move on, and then we'll get out of here. So we'll start with one of the biggest of the week. The Panthers signed former Vikings wide receiver Adam Thielen to a multi-year deal. To sum it up, Thielen better, I think. That's a little play on words for you there. Thielen better, feeling better. I think the the Panthers, Panthers fans are feeling a little bit better today, but I'm not positive. And that's because their horrendous wide receiver room, which was in after they shipped DJ Moore off to Chicago in part of their trade for the first overall pick this year, their wide receiver room became a wasteland comparable to what the Titans have been looking at so far this offseason to what the Texans have been looking at for most of the offseason. Now that they've got Thielen in there, he can slot right into your wide receiver two, wide receiver three slot easily. They paid him like a wide receiver two, a, a a handsomely compensated wide receiver too. That's what they want him to be. Who they have in mind as wide receiver one? No idea. You could easily see him being forced into that role. And if you, you better find a wide receiver one, in my opinion, because if Thielen gets pushed into that role, I just don't think he'll excel there. He's more likely to break down there. He's an old guy, got a lot of miles on those legs. He's still got it. He just doesn't seem to have that gear that he used to have, nor the durability that he used to have. So for them, I think they're feeling better, I think. And with a new, presumably a new rookie quarterback coming in there, you, you want to surround him with as many weapons as possible. Thielen is a nice one to add. The next story is the Lions signing former Eagles safety CJ Gardner Johnson to a one year, $8 million deal with $6.5 million guaranteed. To sum this one up, why can't anybody lock him down? CJ Gardner Johnson is a guy who has bounced around the league a couple of times now, and everywhere he's been, he's He's been a stud. He's been a starter. He's been the staple of the team. He's He's been a guy that these teams kind of build their identity around a little bit. The Saints, the Eagles, and now moving on to Detroit. Maybe there's another stop in there somewhere that I'm forgetting about. 
why can't, I mean, the Eagles were expected to try to get a deal done with him. They could, based on people that I, I mean, Ben Solak and Shil Kapadia over at the ringer, those guys cover the Eagles. They're Eagles guys. They start, they cut their teeth covering the Eagles. I believe at least Ben Solak did. They were talking about how they absolutely, the Eagles could have signed this contract. They could have done this and yet they didn't. And so the question is why? I don't know. It's a recurring theme now with CJ Gardner Johnson going to a team playing well and then not getting another deal. Very strange. Next story, Falcons signing former Raiders wide receiver Mac Hollins. Titans fans will know him as the man who terrorized the Titans in week three last year and almost sent them to a uh, a devastating 0-3 start on the season. I think it was 0-3. Was it 0-4? No, I think it was 0-3. Either way, they were going to be 0 for through three or four games. Mac Hollins almost did it to him. He did not, but he did have a great year with the Raiders last year. Got him a new contract here. I don't have it written down, but I do know off the top of my head, it was a $2.5 million contract, maybe just one year, one year with Atlanta. To sum that move up, big, but not big. And by that, I mean big guy, Matt Collins, big fella, really fits the the special, uh, not special, the, um, the skill position group of players that Arthur Smith is assembling down there in the ATL. But it's not a really big signing. He's not going to be a massive impact, I don't think, at all, especially since... You know, Drake London is the guy rookie last year, heading into his second year. He needs to be the wide receiver one. They don't have Kelvin Ridley anymore. He's the guy who's expected to be wide receiver two now, Matt Collins. And that's only going to work, I think, if a guy like Drake London can step up and be that wide receiver one. And even I even more ideal if you could get, and I know based on the way that he's utilized with Art Smith's system, people don't think that's necessarily the case. But if you could get a guy like Kyle Pitts, who's on the roster, to play more of that tight end one, but also kind of wide receiver two role. You could see Jonu Smith, former Titan, now with the Falcons. You could see him backfill some of the dirty work responsibilities of a Kyle Pitts, and you could see Matt Collins get to play that wide receiver 2B3A role, um, and that would be really ideal, and then you could see him really excel. But just to run down the size of the skill position group in Atlanta, Drake London, 6'5", 210. Matt Collins, 6'4", 221. Kyle Pitts, 6'6", 246. Woo! Johnu Smith, 6'3, 248, and Cordero Patterson, 6'2, 220. That is a big move, but it's not a big move. Next one, Cardinals signed former Colts wide receiver Zach Pascal to a two-year deal. My summation, like JT leaves, and I just start making up English. My summation of this move is next. Just next one. I, I have I have no thoughts on this one. Good good for the Cardinals. They're a bad team. They just signed a bad receiver to a two-year deal. Hope they didn't pay him a whole lot of money. Next move, the Colts, you could argue, probably filling in this role with former Bills wide receiver Isaiah McKenzie. My summary of this move is Rand's turn. Rand Carthen is now on the clock with the public opinion, with media, I'm sure with folks in the building, probably with his own goals that he has set for himself to get some receiving help in here, Tennessee. Now fans on social media have been screaming from the rooftops. Why aren't they going out and getting their guy? It's because the guy doesn't exist. Okay. We've talked about this at length, the wide receiver free agent market, as well as the free agent market in general, very bad. It's not a whole lot of impact players out there. There are some guys that could go get, but you don't want to pay them too much. You don't want to rush and you don't want to get a guy that is not going to be a good fit or is not ultimately going to be an impact. So they, they need to go get a guy, Rand Carthen. He's up. He's on the clock. The Colts, I think, were, well, no, they're the, the Texans have signed some wide receivers. None, I mean, the, 
the headliner for them is in terms of wide receivers is Bobby trees from the Titans and Titans fans know how Robert Woods has been playing lately. Um, that's, that's one that they're going to need to, to make a move somewhere in the wide receiver market. Um, before they get to the draft, I think that they will. It's just a matter of when the next story, the bills have signed former Patriots running back Damian Harris to a one year deal to sum this one up needed a fresh look. The bills running game and running back group has annoyed me by how boring and predictable they are for the past couple of years. It's just, it's needed a shakeup. They, they've gotten some fresh blood in there with, uh, well, I don't forget it's cook is his first, his last name, Dalvin's little brother. Who's a running back. He's fine. Um, they, they obviously, they now have a, a big body to come in and replace a big body. They just lost. We'll talk about in a minute, but Damian Harris can be your big bruising style back. He's a pretty good running back. They've had some decent running backs come through there. It's not mattered because they're not really built to run the ball from a run blocking standpoint. So they really need to address their line and the way that they approach the game itself. If they want to markedly improve their running game and one could argue most important of all, take as much running pressure off of their quarterback, their franchise, Josh Allen as humanly possible because he's been there really their running back one in every game that has mattered for the past two seasons. When it has come down to it, when the rubber meets the road, Josh Allen has been their running back. They need that not to be the case so that he can focus on doing his job. The next story Texans resign left tackle Laramie Tunsil to a three year, $75 million extension with $50 million guaranteed $50 million guaranteed. Excuse me to sum this one up. This is a contract done, right? Okay. Laramie Tunsil. I don't love when players represent themselves, but he represents himself. He's done it a couple of times now, and he has reset the market for linemen more than one time. Now he is now once again, I believe the highest paid APY offensive tackle in the league negotiates the contract himself gets a very you know a two-thirds of the contract guaranteed a good nice round 75 million dollar number three years that i know people love to see the big 140 million dollar five-year six-year deal a bit you know a big old four five six seven year contract with a guy that's got all the frills play you know player guarantees if they reach this this year and they're still playing at a high level um, there's accelerators at, after a certain year, if the team, want all there's an out after all of the, all of the fun stuff in contracts that make them convoluted and interesting and puff up the numbers. People like that, I guess this is what real contracts are folks that are out there signing real contracts and players that are signing the contracts I just mentioned in reality, those contracts almost always boil down to this kind of timeline and this kind of money. It's really this simple at the end when you're a good player, that is. Laramie Tunsil is doing it right, and he's doing it in smaller increments, allowing him to play well, get guaranteed money in the bank, live right, have some stability for a couple of years in one place, and then hit the market again. Hopefully stay. If not, get on the road, make money again while you're still young. It's a fantastic way to go about it. It's the way that Lamar Jackson should go about it. I think Zach Lyons, I know I've talked to him about it behind the scenes. I think in his shows, he's talked about how that is how absolutely they should be doing it with Lamar Jackson. But yeah, it's a contract done right, so well done for Laramie Tunsil. Next story, we've got three more. The Texans, uh, this is the second of three Texans moves we got to cover. They signed former quarterback, quarterback, Cowboys, tight end Dalton Schultz, and maybe the biggest move of the past couple of days. 
to sum this one up, they are constructing the quarterback nursery. Now that's a pretty significant number, $8 million, like we mentioned earlier for Dalton Schultz, just one year, um, a big loss for the Cowboys, by the way, who now have a gaping hole at two and a half positions. Like Dalton Schultz was one of their receivers for all intents and purposes last year, because besides CD lamb, he was the second most reliable pass catching option arguably the second most talented pass catching option, depending on who was out there any given week, they lose him. So now they're out a prime. I mean, really they're really their wide receiver too, as well as their tight end one. And now without Zeke, they're out a starting running back or, you know, a one, a one B running back. So they've got some serious holes to plug offensively over there, especially if they want to do right by Dak and make him look good and make that contract look good. But for the Texans side of things, getting Dalton Schultz is a very big move ultimately becomes the best tight end in the division by a pretty significant margin. The AFC South as a whole turning into a division that could be a really stellar tight end division with Evan Ingram having a resurgence in Jacksonville last year. Um, you, you've got, of, of course, Dalton Schultz now in Houston. You've got the Prince that was promised Chigakonkwo in Tennessee it, it, for the, Oh boy, the, for the Colts part. Yes, Jelani Woods. Jelani Woods. I knew it was another guy that we really liked last year if you followed the show during the draft season. Jelani Woods, another guy, rookie, going into the second year now. Really promising, freak athlete, kind of along the same lines as Chig, um, but not as good as Chig, in my opinion, and definitely in the opinion of most every Titans fan. If you then see a team in the AFC South, the Titans, for example, add like a Darnell Washington, man, the tight end acumen of the AFC South could be ridiculous very quickly. For the Texans, it's a pretty significant number, but it's worth it for a player like this, especially one like Schultz in their situation. Because listen, this when you're putting together a team, when you know you have a rookie quarterback on the way, it's it, it's it's ultimately you're building a rookie quarterback nursery. And that's why I gave this the summary that I did. You've got to put together the most baby proof version of an offense as you can to make them look as good as possible. That's what they're doing. And a guy like Dalton Schultz, I mean, who's a quarterback's best friend when in doubt, it's the tight end baby. And when you got a stud tight end receiver like Dalton Schultz is, you're golden. So you got to make sure your new QB is nice and comfy as, as comfortable as possible. Uh, but we make make their home comfortable as possible for when they get there. That is, they can come home to a nice cushy bed and uh, get ready for their first year in the NFL, their big debut. Schultz can absolutely serve that purpose perfectly. Second to last story here, the Texans, last one for the Texans. Houston signed former Bills running back Devin Singletary. Uh, the summary here is perfect backup for Damian. Damien's backup. That is what this is. Damien Pierce, my guy, love Damien Pierce, rookie running back last year, now going into the second year with Houston. Um, they've now got a nice stable of backs there with a, a young stud in Damien Pierce, I think, ready to break out. So that'll be a tougher situation to handle for the rest of the AFC South going forward. Last story to tie things back in with the Titans here, masterfully, almost like I planned it. The Browns have signed former Titans quarterback Josh Dobbs. To summarize this one, Malik Willis, QB2 season loading. Josh Dobbs, 
Fond farewell. I don't know how attached people got to him in the amount of time that he was here. He came to Nashville, lost valiantly twice, and is now headed back to a familiar team next season. He's played for the Browns before. Cannot blame him at all. Here in Nashville, he was going to have to almost certainly be in some kind of quarterback battle for the backup spot with Malik Willis and who else who who else we don't know in uh, in August. In Cleveland, there's no competition. I mean, I, actually, I think he's got Kellen Mond behind him, but he's not really competing with Kellen Mond to, to be Deshaun Watson's backup. He is the backup there. So good for him. He got some money. He, he's got some job security. He made the move that he should have made, and I'm guessing that was a, a move that even if the Titans wanted, maybe they wanted to keep him around, but they were probably going to be hard-pressed to compete with the situation that Cleveland was able to offer Josh Dobbs. So Malik Willis, quarterback two season, here we go. Good luck. And with that, we're going to be done today. Last thing I'll I'll mention, all of the things that we usually mention, if you uh, will like at the top of the show, if you're one of the horsemen of the apocalypse of this show, you gotta you got to let us know. So please DM us, email us, snail mail me. I mean, text me. Here's my number, 615-686-1036. That's my actual phone number, 615-686-1036. And you know what? I'm just such a man of the people. If you ever have a question about the Titans or about the show, just text me. I might worst case I'm too busy and I'll, I'll have to politely ignore you, but I'm almost certainly going to answer. So don't call me. Don't be like that. I will change my number. Um, but give me a text if you want. And if you're one of the horsemen of the apocalypse, absolutely text and ask any questions that you'd like. Cause I love to answer questions. And, uh, ultimately I feel like my job is to service the public, um, and, and be the mouthpiece between you and your favorite team. So we'll do that. Um, if you are not subscribed, make sure you do that. Like I said earlier, mock draft 1.0 Easton freezes mock draft 1.0, which I've been working very hard on. Very excited for it to come out. It's one of a handful of versions that we'll see before the draft comes. It's coming out later this week. I've got it about halfway done. I've got all the, the bones in place. So I know who goes where I'm still working on putting my thoughts, uh, getting my thoughts from here onto, well, not onto paper, but onto the screen for you to read. I think you'll find them fascinating. Here's where I ended up going, just to give you a little tease, because it's a first-round mock, all the first-round picks, and then a seven-round Titans mock. For the Titans, I went offensive line, tight end, offensive line, receiver, tight end, edge, safety. Now, if, you, if you're counting at home, if you did some quick math, you realize there's an extra pick or two in there, more picks than the Titans have. How could that be? Also, if you can guess... Who goes where before it comes out? Bonus points to you. There's a tweet of mine up on my page from uh, Monday evening asking if anybody can guess who goes where based on if you, if you really know me, you might know my tendencies and who I like and who I don't in this draft. So excited for that to come out. Definitely read it. BroadwaySportsMedia.com. Easton Freeze's Mock Draft 1.0. It'll be out, I believe, on Thursday, maybe even Wednesday, the day you're listening to this. You could see it tonight before it's all said and done, but it will definitely be out before the week is up. And that's probably what we're talking about on Friday. We'll go through our mock draft 1.0 on the show. Until then, I'm your host, Easton Freeze, for producer JT, who had to leave early, but he'll be back with us on Friday. This has been the Hot Read Podcast. We will talk to you first thing Friday morning. <laughs>